and very excited for what God has in store here at Mountain View. As we've said, and uh, remember all the, obviously the objects, we've got sick, we've got some traveling, uh, and, and I always try to say in my prayers, Lord, the things around the corner that I do not yet know, the things that I can't see at the moment, the things that are moved, that are coming up that I won't know until it hits me, Lord, help with those things. So uh, glad to be here once again. Look over with me, if you will, in the book of Exodus, chapter number 5. We'll look in the book of Exodus, chapter number 5. My, one of my favorite Old Testament passages is here in the life of Moses. Really, just Moses is one of my favorite Old Testament characters. Um, and just love the the stories and the things that we find in the life of Moses. If you would stand with me in reverence of God's word when you find your place in Exodus 5. We'll read one verse for our text this week and be the first verse there, Exodus 5.1. The Bible says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. God, we thank you for blessing us. God, we thank you for filling us with your Holy Sweet Spirit. God, we thank you for this church and these people, those that are attending members. God, those that are visiting. God, I pray that you bless us each and every one. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, this morning as we look in this text, I, I've had this thought in my study this week. Feasting despite Pharaoh. Feasting despite Pharaoh. In the life of uh, these Israelites under the, the, not leadership, but under the bondage of Pharaoh, they had fulfilled a prophecy or, or a promise given to Abraham by God that they would be in bondage for 400 years. And Israel is under this great bondage here in Egypt. And as, uh, as the men and as Pharaoh and the people that knew Joseph, uh, which is, if you'll study, you'll find how Israel ended up in Egypt to begin with. As Joseph and those that knew Joseph had passed away, new leadership had come in and really put the thumb down on the Israelites. And so you'll find where we are here is, Moses was, uh, was, we know the story, I'm sure, cast in the, out into the, the river and found by Pharaoh's daughter and uh, adopted and taken in. And he was a prince for a number of years in, in Egypt. And he realized that he greater identified because of his blood with the Israelites. And he killed an Egyptian uh, that, was, that had his thumb down on his people. And as he did that, he tried to kind of uh, free Israel his own way. And that didn't work. And so he ends up out in Midian as a shepherd, and God's using him. I think it's important to remember that Moses ended up as a shepherd uh, out in Midian, keeping the sheep. And when it was time for God to use Moses to free his people from bondage, as the 400 years that were given to Abraham were coming to an end, you will find Moses out in the fields keeping the flock of his father-in-law. And so this time is drawing near. And God is calling Moses into the ministry. And we've, we've actually not recently, or pretty recently actually, covered uh, Moses and some of the gifts and some of the miracles 
that God would give Moses in order to uh, convince the Israelites that he was God's man. But this morning, thinking a little bit deeper and considering more about Moses facing Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh, in, in my thought this morning, is, not, is just uh, necessarily he's exemplifying uh, Egypt and he's exemplifying false gods and he's exemplifying the bondage. Uh, that Moses would be facing, but no less when Moses was leaving Egypt, they were people that were wanted to kill him. Pharaoh, the Pharaoh at the time wanted to kill him. And so the sentiment when, uh, when Moses left was they hated Moses. They wanted to kill Moses. They sought to see him dead. And so I imagine the mental thought or the mental uh, uh, state that Moses might have been in when he was called to go back into Egypt and uh, God was telling him that uh, he was going to use him to free his people. I think about Moses was a man just like you uh, and, and just, just like us. He was a human being, am I right? I think he was, just, he was flesh and blood just like us. And so I imagine Moses maybe feeling this uh, a sense of dread or a sense of worry that he's going to have to go and stand before Pharaoh, even though it's a different Pharaoh. Uh, when he was on his way out, he was having stones cast at him and arrows shot at him and people seeking to kill him. And here he goes, he's going to stand up uh, in, front of, in front of him again. And first you find that, that, that Moses, he, he was worried in verse uh, 11 of chapter 3, it says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? So you find when God was calling Moses, and God had come to him, and he was telling him that, uh, uh, well, he says in verse 7, he says that he had heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Um, and earlier in the verse, he says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. Uh, so the Lord comes to Moses, and he's saying, I'm going to send you into Egypt to get my people. And Moses says, who am I? Who am I that, that, that I would be used to go and, and, and to, to pull or call the people uh, of, of Egypt out, or the people of Israel out of Egypt? Who, why would you use me, Lord? And I think the first truth that we'll find in this uh, story of Moses is that Moses lacked faith. Moses lacked faith. Isn't it so common that we lack faith when God is calling us to do something for him? He lacked faith in where he says, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? He lacked the faith that God was calling the right person into his ministry. I had this thought the other day. It simply says, are we not most likely to make excuses when our faith is not placed solely on the God that is ushering us into his service? And it's so true that we lack faith in and sometimes doubt God and his purposes and make excuses. Well, Lord, I'm just me or I'm just this or I'm just that or I can't do this or I can't do that. Moses was lacking the faith that God was calling the right person. Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? When God comes to you and he's drawing you to go stand, whether you're standing against Pharaoh or you're standing against the president of the United States, whether you're standing against the devil himself, God's calling the right person. When he's drawing you to serve him, God has chosen you to do that work. Not that it makes us better than anyone else, but he has sovereignly and greatly chosen you and I individually in the service that he wants us. That's a beautiful thing. That's why the family of God works the way it does. Is because you'll find Moses called to be kind of the mediator between God and Israel, and then you find Aaron was called to be the mouthpiece of Moses and God to Israel. 
The family of God works because he calls the right person to do the specific job that he has for him. Moses doubted that. Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? Who am I? Don't doubt God calling you into whatever ministry it may be. But I understand maybe you think, well, I'm going to have to stand face to face with Pharaoh. Like I said, Pharaoh kind of being the example of bondage or the example of sin, the example of the world, the example of ungodliness, whatever it is you may face, whatever it is that, that your Pharaoh represents to you. Moses, he lacked faith. Goes on in, into Exodus 4.1, Moses says to God, Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Moses lacked the faith that God was calling the right person. And then he kind of lacked the faith that God had given him the right message. Sometimes we say, well, I'm, I can do that. I can handle that. Lord, you're calling me to do something. I feel like I can, I can do that. But then sometimes we doubt the message where he says, Behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say. Brother Jeff said this morning in Sunday school, he said, I believe that Christ would have come and died if he was the only one to be saved on this earth, Christ would have come and gladly shed his blood. And that's so true. Any of us in here, if we were the only one that would accept Christ as our Savior, gladly Christ would have come, shed his blood, and laid down his life for us. What a great love it is that he has for us. That he'd shed his, shed his life for just one. We've got the right message. You're the right person. God's calling you or directing you in your life. You're the right person. Don't feel inadequate because God's wanting to equip you. You'll find that in Moses' life. We'll talk about that in just a second. Hey, if I come just as I am, I'm not going to be able to do anything. There's nothing good that can ever be done. And as your pastor, I'll never say anything of any benefit to you save what through the Holy Spirit's directed me out of this word. I have to wholly, 100%, receive these, these, these things that I share, this bread that we break from God. It's easy sometimes maybe for some to say, well, I can handle this, I can do this. Maybe Moses said, well, I, yes, I, you know what, I tried to get Egypt out, or I tried to get Israel out of Egypt on my own account, but you know what, I believe I might be the person to go and, uh, and get them out now, Lord, but still doubt the message. You know what? Because the message is a hard one to tell. And if you're going to tell the message of the Lord, you're going to be standing face to face and eye to eye with Pharaoh. Now, there's nothing biblically that tells us that Moses was fearful of Pharaoh. But there is a lot biblically that tells us that Moses was fear fearful of the ministry that God was calling him into. Who am I? They will not believe me. And on into verse 10 of Exodus 4 he says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And Moses, he, he didn't feel like he was the right person. He maybe didn't feel like he had the right message because he was wondering uh, uh, what they would say to him and, and how they would react to him coming and, and speaking to him. But then he says, Lord, I can't even talk. Moses lacked the faith that God would use someone that wasn't fully equipped. You know, when 
God started dealing with me about preaching. God started dealing with my heart on that. I hadn't been, I, I was very short term out of the world. I was fresh out of the world. And I thought, Lord, you've not got the right person. I prayed that, Lord, you, you've not got the right person. Kind of like Jonah. Hit the dusty trail to get away from that. Lord, you've not got the right person. And then this fear crept over me. I remember those that I've sinned in front of. And now, Lord, I'll stand before them and I'll profess your word. They're not going to believe me. Lord, I'm not the right person and I don't have the right message because they'll look at me and they'll look me in the eye and they'll remember the sins that they've seen me commit. They'll remember who I used to be. And Lord, I barely can talk in front of a group of two or three people. I, I, I just, I can't, I can't do it. I feel like Moses some. But I believe God was calling the right person. I know he gave me the right message. And he showed me that even though I wasn't fully equipped, he'll do the equipping. In Moses' life, he brings in Aaron. You can't talk. I think Aaron, he might, he, he's probably, I believe, someone that people listened to him when he talked. I think Aaron was somebody that people, you hear Aaron, Aaron talk, man. You ever been around a, a celebrity or around somebody very, very uh, esteemed in society? Sports player? Or, I mean, that's about it for me. I haven't been around any movie stars, nor, nor do I care to be around any of them. But, uh, you know, you've ever been around anybody, there's a presence about them and Brother Sam and I have talked about it. There's a presence about those types of people when you get around them. People listen. I mean, it's just naturally who it is. I think Aaron was somebody. Aaron was somebody people listened to. God perfectly brought him in with Moses and, hey, I've got somebody that people listen to. And I got some, Now, uh, uh, he wasn't perfect, and we find that in the Word, but I believe he was somebody people listened to. I believe he was somebody that had influence. He was somebody that, that had, had strong speech and strong power. And when we don't feel equipped in what we, we uh, are able to do, God will equip us, and it may be attaching somebody to us that can do what we're not able to do. And that's a beautiful thing. Lord, I'm not eloquent. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a redneck that hangs out in the field with a sheep. Lord, I can't talk because I physically have an issue. Where he says I'm slow of speech. He physically had an issue. It wasn't that he just didn't sound good. It was that he physically had an issue. And of a slow tongue. It's amazing he's telling the Lord that created him. He's telling the Lord that allowed him to have that slow speech and a slow tongue. He's telling him, Lord, I'm not able. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Those that maybe by our standards and our account aren't able, but are able through Christ. And those that are able, praise God, we can talk or we, 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 sound, uh, we sound like we know what we're talking about or we whatever it may be. It's amazing even yet, what there is to learn from the Lord when he equips us. Moses lacked faith that God was calling the right person. Moses lacked faith that God had given him the right message. Moses lacked faith that God would use someone that wasn't fully equipped. But I protest to you today, 
Those are who he's looking for. I mentioned as we started finding him as a shepherd in Midian. Lowly and humble, meek position. That's what God's looking for. That's what God's looking for. Now, back to our thought here. Now Moses, the faith of Moses despite Pharaoh, when he eventually stands before him, And he says, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. I think Moses settled his faith when he stood. He looked him in the eyes and he says, We're speaking on behalf of Israel that we may, our Lord wants us to go out and have a feast in the wilderness to worship and to praise him. I think he settled his faith when he stood before Pharaoh. Whatever the fear may be, if it was the fear of his Incapability, if that's a word, if it was a fear of his, uh, uh, his, his effectiveness, if it was a, a fear of him being equipped to serve, whatever it may be, I think he got, he got through it. And he stood probably with trembling thoughts and trembling hands, but he got through it. Now on the other end of this thing, the faith despite Pharaoh of Moses, think about the fellowship of the people despite Pharaoh. Now, Israel kind of ends up where they're at because of a lack of fellowship. One of the greatest things about the family of God and one of the the, the things that pleases God the most is fellowship one with another between his children. It pleases him. It's required. It's needed. And worship goes hand in hand with fellowship. Worship goes hand in hand with fellowship. And so back into Genesis 15, I'll give you a second. If you, wanted to, if you want to turn there with me, you don't have to, but back into Genesis 15, we'll look there for just a moment. Now, Moses, is, Moses and Aaron, they're standing before Pharaoh, and they're literally asking, can we borrow the slaves for a few days to go out into the wilderness and worship the Lord? And uh, we're not going to get into any, I don't believe any more of this uh, about Pharaoh's response or whatever, but... It is, uh, it's amazing because it just, if you think about it, it just, it's kind of a crazy circumstance. But God knew, I believe, all the way back to this time here in Genesis, what we'll find when he tells Abraham that they would be uh, afflicted and they would be under bondage. I believe he knew exactly this moment that Moses would stand before Pharaoh. And it says there in Genesis 15, we'll read, start in verse 13, it says, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years, and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they shall come out with great substance. Now we'll come back to that in just a moment. That's very important. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now, God is telling Abraham that the bondage in Egypt was going to take place. And so skip ahead to when the bondage takes place. Like I said, you can look and you'll find uh, Israel ending up in Egypt in the life of Joseph. And so under that bondage, and eventually you'll find the uh, lack of fellowship and the lack of worship in Israel's, uh, in, in Israel's relationship to God. They just they didn't have it. And so what happens is you'll find is that uh, even back into, if I can find it, I'll, I'll try. I've got a lot of verse, verses referenced here. But even back into verse 7 of Exodus 3 where it says, 
I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. God was starting to hear Israel and God was starting to remember and starting to think back on his promise with Abraham because they were crying out to him together. They were in one voice, one mind, one accord, crying out to God under their bondage. And so just remember that. Put that in the back of your mind. Now, like I said in these verses in Genesis, God tells Abraham, and afterward they shall come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. They shall come out with great substance. Think of the fellowship of the people despite Pharaoh. They were lacking fellowship. They're crying out to God. God is beginning to hear them. God is using Moses and putting into motion the means by which he would free his people. But even on back in Abraham's life, he promises to Abraham that Israel, they're going to come out of that bondage with great substance. Now, first thing, I want, to think, I want us to think about the material aspect of Israel, the material aspect of Israel. The Jewish people, as Pharaoh, and you'll find as you read on even down into uh, chapter 5, when Pharaoh increases the burden on Israel, and as he does that, they prosper even more. As he, as he puts the pressure on Israel, they prosper even greater than they were before. Israel comes out with a great substance, and Israel proves throughout the ages to be one of the most blessed people in, in history ever. Even, even today, I've heard a story, and I share it over and over, and, and I'll share it again. But I, I, a story that a gentleman that I know that travels to Israel a lot, he said that, they, that Israel brought, I, I don't know what part of the world it was in, but basically they were having war games. It was Air Force war games. And Israel brought their, uh, their, their dudes, and their, their, it was American jets that they were in, but these guys were like 18, 19, 20-year-old fighter pilots. And they were up against some of the world's greatest fighter pilots. And again and again, time and time again, Israel were just blowing them out of the sky. I mean, it was just, they're just blessed people. I mean, that's all there is to it. You can go back through history and you can find all the powerful things because God is on those people and God wants to use those people and God prospers those people. And even today, we live today, we can prove God through the success of, of the people in Israel. What a beautiful thing it is. But I believe another thing about this great substance, and this is the most important thing, they have materialistically been blessed and we could go into that much more, but they've materialistically been blessed, but they have spiritually been blessed. And when God tells Abraham that they're going to come out of bondage with great substance, I believe one thing that you'll find that they come out with is fellowship and worship. Fellowship and worship. And they had plenty of time in the wilderness after that to fellowship and worship. And so, uh, so they come out, and I believe that this time in bondage in Israel solidifies in, in the people of Israel fellowship and worship to God. Because back into Exodus 3-7 where it says that they were crying out to God. They were crying out together. That was fellowship in the sense of I'm going to cry out to God one with another. We need to get a hold of God. We need to plead to God to help us and get us out of our bondage one with another. And so I believe this great substance in another essence, maybe not even a materialistic mindset, but most importantly in a spiritual mindset, they come out with fellowship and they come out with worship. What a beautiful thing that is. Isn't that great? We, all the materialistic things we can get a hold of in the world, if I can come out to the other side and stand before, the God, before God knowing that my fellowship and my worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ is where it needs to be, I believe that's the greatest mark of success. 
Lord, I've been a friend of sinners upon this earth, but I have greatly, greatly grown in fellowship and worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. What a beautiful thing it is. Beautiful thing. Now, the great substance of fellowship and worship. Now, it goes on and you'll see the, I like this, Exodus 2. If you want to turn there with me, you're welcome. I'll give you just a second. Exodus 2. Kind of all over the place, but that's all right. Exodus 2. And verse 23. <clears throat> and it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of bondage. And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Break down that verse for just a second where it says, The children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried. And their cry came upon, uh, up unto God by reason of the bondage. Now, to make this statement, Israel's corporate cries would cause God to listen. Despite Pharaoh, despite bondage, despite all the issues that they're, they're facing in their life, despite the, 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 the difficulties that they're experiencing and the, their, the things that they're facing, despite all of that, when they finally started crying together, God started listening. God started hearing them. We talk about in prayer. Prayer is a mo like I, you heard my fire extinguisher story about prayer. I won't share that again, but prayer is vitally important. And oftentimes just put to the side. Have you ever, I'll start with myself and say this is true about me. You ever told anybody, well, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for that. And it's just, it's just part, of, part of it. Just part of conversation. We need to pray and we need to mean it in prayer. We've got much to pray for. We've got sick. We've got hurting. We've got lost. We've got traveling. We've got uh, uh, unsure situations upcoming. We've got these children we've got to pray for. And if we want God to hear it, we must cry out to him, him corporately. Our prayers together. Lord, together, I'm going to cry out to you. Israel's corporate cry, that's what would prompt God to listen. And fellowship of Israel, despite Pharaoh, despite bondage, you can let bondage defeat you. You can let bondage defeat you. You can be a slave to anything you allow yourself to be a slave to. I'm telling you what, you start crying out to God. You start getting around other brothers and sisters in Christ and start crying out to God together. God hears that. God hears that. He wants us to rely on him. He wants us, when we get to the end of our rope, so to say, Lord, I'm calling out to you and hear that from every voice of every one of his children. Lord, we're crying out to you because we know you're the only one that can change this situation. As that thumb came down on him, as the... The, the hammer came down on them as, as Pharaoh stepped on them and walked over them and abused and used them in his own evil way. Lord, we know and we're reminded. There was a day we knew. There was a day our ancestors knew. There was a day mom and daddy knew. But Lord, today we're reminded we must cry out to you together. Man, if we could grasp hold of that. We talk about prayer warriors. We talk about the good old days. We talk about grandma and grandpa. 
And I believe it because I've seen it. But I need to settle in my heart. Lord, I'm going to cry out to you. If we want to see things change going forward, we've got to corporately cry out to God, much like Israel did. They cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. You know, I believe God had respect upon them because they were saying, Lord, you're the only one. We learn about the I am God in the life of Moses. We learn about God's identify, uh, uh, identity becoming the identity of the God of Israel in Mo, through the life of Moses, the book of Exodus. He just wants us to say, Lord, you are the I am. You are the Lord of me, my family, my people. Now, over in Exodus 4, we're going all over the place, but that's okay. It's all God's word. Exodus 4, starting in verse 29. <clears throat> then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which, were, which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. Now, doesn't, right there, that's amazing. Moses doubted that the people would believe him. But when they came, and that's the beautiful thing, I believe today we experience through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works on behalf of the Lord to prove to people that we're speaking truth. And in this day, Moses and Aaron, they come, and they stand before him, and they believed, verse 31, when the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. Now this is the shift from what we saw in Exodus 2 where they're crying out to God and they're saying, Lord, we need you to come save us. God, we need you to help us. They, their cries turn into worship. Where in the end of that verse, they bowed their heads and worshipped. And that starts the ball rolling. Amen, Brother Scott's tracking on right here. That starts the ball rolling for God to redeem Israel and pull them out of Egypt. But I'm going to make this statement, and if you take notes, please write this down. The family that cries together will worship together. The family that cries together will worship together. We saw them back there in Exodus 2. God heard their cries together and they were hurting and they were in pain. They were, they were facing difficulty. But when God's man, Moses and Aaron, come and speak to them and tell them that they had heard from the Lord, their cries turned into worship. What a beautiful thing. I'm not crying anymore when I know God's on the way. I'm not, I'm not complaining anymore. I'm not hurting anymore. I'm, hey, I may still be living in the bondage, but I know somebody's fixing to come and get me out of it. I've got victory. At that very moment, they felt the victory of God because they cried out to him corporately. And then they worshiped him together corporately. It took preparation of the faith of Moses and the fellowship of Israel for them to be able to get out of Egypt. For them to be able to leave and worship, hold a feast and praise God together. It took the faith of Moses and it took the fellowship of Israel. Now, we've looked at the faith of Moses, we've looked at the fellowship of Israel, but finally let's look at the future 
of Israel. Like I said, this is all in spite of Pharaoh. All despite him. Moses had faith regardless of what he really felt on the inside. Israel had fellowship regardless of someone stepping on him every day. Despite Pharaoh, he doesn't matter. It's over and done with when God pulls them out of Egypt. But think about the future of Israel despite Pharaoh. Do we not let the things of the world gain victory over our minds so, so consistently? We think things are final. Well, this person doesn't like me. And we will let that defeat us. We will stay in bondage under that because one person doesn't like us. Well, this person didn't, didn't see eye to eye with me. We will literally welcome the chains of bondage because of mental battle we won't give to the Lord. But all this while, all the way back to when God told Abraham that they would go into bondage, he also told them, where he says in the end of that verse in, in Genesis, but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. They shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. God had some pieces. He had to move out of the way before they could come out of Israel. But also, God had some lessons to teach Israel. And it was teach Moses as well. The faith of Moses and the fellowship of Israel. But then, all the while, all the way from the foundation of the earth till God talked to Abraham there in Genesis 15, God knew the future of Israel despite Pharaoh. We think these situations, politics, that's a perfect example. I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about. Pharaoh's a politician. He just had, uh, it was a little different. Pharaoh was the epitome of all that evil and bondage and slavery was to, Egypt, to Israel. I'm getting mixed up. But despite him, because really we, the things we let us can hold us under bondage, they're just a little piece God can sweep right out of the way. That's the God we serve. We make this, this person like Pharaoh so big, and I'm just like I said, I'm just imagining what they may have thought. You say, well, Pharaoh really wasn't that, that important, or he didn't have that much influence. I believe he did. You're under the whip of someone every single day, and you're a human being, you'll remember that person. That boss that kind of gives you a little bit of an attitude in the morning just once when they hadn't had their coffee, that bothers the mess out of us, don't it? Imagine living under somebody cracking the whip on you, treating you unfairly. That's going to wear on you. God had a future for Israel despite Pharaoh. Sometimes we make Pharaoh the most important part of this story. Really, he's just a stepping stone to getting Israel where they need to be. But our minds, our minds our flesh, that's what makes Pharaoh so great in these stories. But God had a future for Israel despite Pharaoh. Back in Genesis 15, as we just read, he had the future that he gave to Abraham despite Pharaoh. We let that person defeat us in our minds, but God had a future for him despite of it. In Genesis 50, a little bit closer, if you turn back, if you turn back to Genesis 50, if you want to, a little bit closer than Genesis 15, the future of Israel was given to Joseph, Jacob, despite Pharaoh. When, he, when Joseph's going to die, he says, and Joseph said unto his brethren, verse 24, I die and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land under the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. 
The future of Israel was given to Abraham. The future of Israel was given to Jacob. The future of Israel was given to Joseph. And at the time that Joseph was living in, in Egypt, they held favor with Pharaoh. And then back into Exodus 3, verse 8. The future of Israel is given to Moses, despite Pharaoh. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and Perizzites and the Hevites and, and the Jebusites. The future of Israel was given to Moses despite Pharaoh. The things of this world, Lord willing, we'll cover on that tonight in Psalms 2. The principalities and the kings and the leaders and the people in control and the president of the United States and the prime minister of England and the, the whoever, whatever, wherever, they don't matter to God. What God wanted was Moses to strengthen his faith. What God wanted was Israel to grab hold of fellowship and worship to him because he had a future planned for his people. And he told it to Abraham, he told it to Jacob, he told it to Joseph, and he told it to Moses. And he followed through with it. If you read on through this scripture, back into chapter 5, on through the book of Exodus. What I'm here to tell you this morning, as I wrap up, having faith despite whatever it is. It may be Pharaoh for you. It may be your capabilities. It may be you can't, really, you can't fathom why God wants to use you. It may be because you, I'm not able. It may be because you doubt that someone will believe what you have to say. Whatever that may be, settle that in your heart. Settle that in your life. Lord, I'm not the most eloquent. I'm not able. People aren't going to listen to me whatever my doubts may be. But God, I'm going to lean on you, that you're calling the right person, that you're giving me the right desires, that your word will never return void, that your truth will be found across the nations as long as I'm a willing vessel. Lord, I'm willing to be used of you because I believe you're calling the right person. Not because of who I am, because of who I am through Christ. Maybe fellowship is the area. As I said, Man, are we living in a day where we, if we've ever lived in a day, we're living in a day where we need to cry out unto God. On behalf of these little ones coming up, on behalf of the loved ones at home that are lost and undone, we cry out to the Lord in fellowship. He's got a future for us. He's got a future waiting. He's going to get us out of this place. He's promised us in his word. But faith and fellowship is the path to the future. Amen. Anyone have anything this morning? Amen. I'm glad to be here this morning with you. You have the message. I pray that it's a blessing to you. Uh, all over the place in the scriptures there, but there's just a lot of truth that you can find, especially there, and as I said, one of my favorites. Um, pray that you come back and be with us tonight, Wednesday night, and whenever you can, and uh, very humbled to be here, so we appreciate it. Any business before we dismiss this?